Okay, welcome back to Talking Knicks. I'm Tom Piccolo coming to you uh, just a few hours after the Knicks lost 108 to 101 at home in game one of the conference semifinals. Uh, we're going to talk about why the Knicks lost, uh, adjustments we hope the team is going to make, and you know how, how concerned we are about the series going forward. So let's do it. Let's talk Knicks. All right, I am joined by my co-host, Greg Poon. Greg, what's going on? Not much. Just living, you know, tough loss. It's, that's pretty much been my day, watching that game and thinking about it. Yeah, when the game's that early, it was a, it was a 1 p.m. matinee game on a Sunday. That really is like the whole day. Um, you know, you're kind of like excited for it in the morning. Um, there was a lot to be excited about in that first quarter. And then things kind of went sideways. So, I mean, Greg, I think we can both agree that the, the Knicks, uh, unlike the reason that the Knicks lost this game, it was obviously because of the shooting. Um, you know, the, the Knicks shot seven of 34 from three. That's just under 21%. You know, Brunson went 0 of seven. Josh Hart, 0 of four. RJ, 1 of five. Quickly, 1 of four. You know, it was uh, it was clearly a huge reason for the loss. You know, does that concern you going forward, or do you chalk it up to being like make or miss league? The Knicks are going to hit these open looks in future games. I mean, it doesn't really concern me. I think we'll we'll hit some shots, but I mean, the bigger concern was just how much they were just shooting the three in that third quarter when 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 all hell was breaking loose. You know, Knicks. Started with a, a five point lead at halftime, and then in that third quarter, the Heat just dominated. They they clogged the lane up so Brunson couldn't get in. And the key to that first quarter was just Brunson was getting in, RJ was getting in, and then ball was moving around, flying around, and people were cutting, making dunks. And, you know, Obi had two LUs, Mitch had an LU. Um, and then the Heat just adjusted, and you know, they started clogging the lane. And left the Knicks open for three. I mean, Obi Toppin was the Knicks leading three-point shooter. He was four for 11. The Heat would love for Obi Toppin to shoot 11 three-pointers. There's no doubt about it. If I was coaching the Heat and Obi shot 11 three-pointers, I I would be ecstatic. You know, they did their they did their work just like the Knicks uh, left shooters open against the Cavs. That's what the, the Heat are looking to do now after that, that first half where they didn't do that plus actually they did do that and the Knicks just missed the entire first half as well the Knicks yeah. were three for three for whatever in the first half and then the Heat said you know they're three for whatever and let them do that let's do that more yeah and I mean they, they, did. they were like unsus the Knicks were unsustainably good in the first half from two you know they, I, they, there was something like 20 to 24 or, or something like that um you know I, I don't have that stat right in front of me but I mean, to your point, like Obi shooting four of 11 from three, that's 36.4%. That's solid. Like he's, you know, he's not the one I'm looking to as kind of the reason there were some timely open threes that he missed for sure. But, you know, Jalen Brunson going 0 for seven, that's quite surprising. Like he's a 41, 42% three point shooter. I think he was the best on the team. Um, His shot just looked off. It was, it was short a lot, like unreasonably short from deep a few times. And uh, that was a little curious. Josh Hart, we knew 
you know, that he's not really a shooter. So it's been a little strange to see him hit from deep so consistently. So I, I kind of wonder what the anomaly is. Um, and then quickly has really continued to struggle. And RJ, I mean, RJ going one for five. RJ was a monster uh, from two point range. And he also finished with seven assists. I thought his decision making, and, and this all goes back to kind of some decision making stuff, Greg, like when the three point shots stopped falling, it seemed like the Knicks stopped trusting each other a little bit. And we've seen this happen in the past. It happened in game two against Cleveland. Um, you know, the, the ball gets a little sticky. Brunson maybe takes a, a few too many shots, like dribbles too much. And, and the offense becomes, you know, less about the ball movement, the player movement, and and less about what we saw in that first quarter that worked so well. The, the three ball starts to, starts to, you know, not fall. And, and then all of a sudden the decision-making kind of falls off a cliff. And that leads to kind of the second biggest reason I thought that the Knicks lost this game, which was just all the, the turnovers, the bad turnovers. Brunson had five, RJ had four, and that made up the bulk of them. But if you just look at points scored off turnovers, uh, the Heat scored 22 and the Knicks scored eight. So like that's uh, that's a pretty huge difference, especially when you you, uh, you compound that with the, the poor three-point shooting it's uh it's tough to win a game that way. Yeah. And to, to your point about, you know, Knicks were just launching from three. I got, I mean, Obi took 11 threes because he was open 11 times from three and, you know, I'm not mad at him for, for shooting 11 times, but the heat are happy because they, they just got the Knicks out of the op, their offense. The Knicks offense is not Obi top and shooting 11 threes. And like you said, once shots stopped falling, they stopped trusting each other and they started just, you know, shooting away and thinking that eventually it'll go in. But and, and some of that is like the, the Knicks offense can sometimes be yeah. Julius Randle shoots a ton of threes, right? And so yeah. like Obi is kind of filling that role to an extent. And, and you're right. That's just like a personnel thing with, with Randle being kind of a game time decision and not being able to go. I mean, that was that had ripple effects, kind of a, a domino effect throughout and, and changed players' roles uh through up and down the roster. Yeah, and I mean that second half, the Knicks just needed Julius Randle pretty much, not for his three-point shooting, but just for being a, a physical beach beast on the inside. You know, if they were, they had that being able to work a two-man game, but instead they just had absolutely nothing going on inside, and they're we're just settling for the outside. But back to the turnovers that you mentioned, you know, there were just some some just dumb stuff the Knicks did, you know, uh, especially at the end of that first half, um, the Knicks got up 11 and then, you know, Brunson tried to do a fast break with Josh Hart and just threw the ball out of bounds. And then, you know, it just got the, the threads started, the, um, the sweater started to unravel at the end of that first half. And, you know, that just really carried on. The really killer turnover was, uh, when the Jimmy Butler got injured, the Knicks got it within three. They got a stop. It was like barely a turn- turnover, but Mitchell Robinson secured the rebound. And they brought it oh. down, and Kyle, Kyle Lowry just swiped it away Killed and me. gave Vincent hit a three, and that put the lead at six, which, you know, the Knicks had the, all the momentum at that point. He cut it to three. Jimmy Butler's injured. And then Kyle Lowry was just a, a menace on defense and on offense. He, he was he was great. I mean, on the on the – to go with the turnovers, I don't know how many times the Knicks drove to the hoop and Kyle Lowry just swiped it. You know, I know there Josh Hart did it one time, Jalen Brunson did it one time, and 
Yeah, and, is, and it, you know, that one with he, Josh Hart, it, it went off his leg and was yeah. it was heat ball. And I, I checked, and that did not count as a turnover. That just counted as a block. Yeah. But like that's that's another example of just like kind of you know I mean, that's essentially a turnover, and that could have easily been two points for the Knicks, and then it goes the other way. So yeah, Kyle Lowry was was very good, and I don't think that has been the norm this season. I think Kyle Lowry, for the most part, has been quite bad. And I think Heat fans in general are pretty frustrated with him. And uh, he he was a huge reason they won this game. Yeah, I mean, he's been in and out of the lineup. He played uh, 55 games this year. He started coming off the bench, only played 40 or started 44 games, but he doesn't start anymore in the in the playoffs. But, you know, he's just a, a gamer. He's got that playoff experience. I mean, he started showing it in that the playing game. I mean, if you watched them play the Hawks in that very first playing game, he was the only person on the Heat doing anything at all. He had 30 plus in, in that one, even though they lost. So, you know, he's going to show up. He's a playoff performer, I guess. And, you know, you think he'd get old at some point, but I mean, his game low to the ground. So he can make it work. So the Knicks may have to game plan a little bit more for him. I mean, Gabe Vincent also was, uh, a knockdown shooter. I mean, he hit his first three shots in the or three of his first four in the very start of the first quarter. Um, and then he was just launched away. I mean, he only ended up being six for 16, but five for 12 from three. That's that's good. I mean, the Knicks, the Heat were also missing a lot of shots. So that's the unfortunate part of this this loss. Yeah, and you know, after that first half, was the Knicks were up five at halftime, and yeah. it felt like they should have been up a lot more. Like I think you texted our group, just like the field goal percentages were were, it was a crazy disparity where the Knicks were shooting like fifty five percent from the field, and the Heat were in the thirties, and it was just yeah. a five point game, and and we knew that didn't bode well, and you know there were just other little factors. The Knicks in that Cavs series were dominating the offensive glass. In this one, they just had a plus two advantage on on offensive rebounds, um, and and as far as second chance points, it was just a it was seven to eleven. So the Knicks had a four point advantage in second chance points, and you'd like to see that be uh, you know a wider gap considering that's so much of the Knicks' offense. Um, but Greg, let's talk a little bit about the Heat's stars how did you think that the Knicks defended Jimmy Butler and and I know that you mentioned his his rolled ankle his injury there towards the end um did you think the Knicks did enough to like target him on defense um I mean at the end when he was injured certainly not I mean they uh RJ Bear was calling for screens to get a switch off of the injured player and get guarded by Kyle Lowry so I wasn't the best decision-making on RJ's part. I mean, the, the stretch, the Knicks were just bad. And, you know, Jimmy Butler got injured and then gave Vincent hit that three and the Knicks just didn't recover and it didn't look, and there was no semblance of teamwork going on. It was just ugliness and the ball just being thrown all over the place. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that Jalen Brunson really struggled in this one. Like, I, I know he finished with 25 points. Um, it was what 25 points on 11 for 11 to 23 shooting. Um, but that was 11 of 16 from two. He also had seven assists, five boards, but it just, it didn't, 
feel like the kind of game that Brunson usually where he's in control and he's like dictating the the play, the pace of play. He's kind of dictating every move. It, it didn't feel that way in this game. And he said in the post-game interview that he was terrible and he needs to be, to be better. And uh, I think he will be, but there's no question. He struggled on defense a lot. And, you know, he's he's much smaller than some of the guys he was guarding, um, your Max Struces of the world. And then uh, on offense, his, his rhythm, his, his shot didn't look good. And I thought, you know, his balance between uh, taking the shot for himself and, and finding teammates was a little skewed in that second half in particular. Yeah. I mean, he just, he'll be, he, like you said, he said it. He just didn't have it tonight. So, you know, just trust that he'll come back better. I mean, even if the Knicks are knocking down threes, Every now and then, like even if they hit like four more threes in this game, that's just be eleven for thirty-four. That's not even a good percentage. That would have opened up so much more for Jalen Brunson inside, and as well as you know, if he hits some threes, that opens up his game too. There's just like you said, sometimes the ball just doesn't go in, and you know this wasn't. I'm not too hung up on this loss. You know, this is game one. We didn't have Julius Randle and just the ball just didn't go in. Then the Knicks were really good for one quarter. And for the rest of the game, they were just very mediocre to bad. And that shows in the end result where they lost by seven, which isn't even that terrible. And outside of like a, you know, five minute span in that third quarter where Kevin Love was just throwing the ball, outlet passes to whoever on the heat twice to Jimmy Butler once to Max Struess. The Knicks were were perfectly fine. They're pretty evenly matched with the Heat all all game, maybe even better, other than a very short period of time. So I don't know. It was you hate to lose, but this wasn't debilitating and heartbreaking. Yeah, I the reason I asked the question earlier about like how the Knicks defended Jimmy Butler was, you know, I, I know he finished with 25 points, eight of 16 shooting. He was nine of eleven uh from the free throw line. But it didn't feel like he really dominated the game so much either. It wasn't like he was this head and shoulders, you know, above everyone else player. It it, it kind of gave me some hope. I thought Josh Hart did a pretty good job on him. Um, R.J. Barrett, in, in the times he defended him, I thought did okay. There were just a few plays that you mentioned, the, the fast break uh, outlet passes from Kevin Love, and also a few where Mitchell Robinson just forgot to rotate, which is very unlike him. Um, it seemed like he hurt his hip at one point during this game. And then when he was asked about it after the game, he said he was in a great deal of pain. That doesn't, that's not great. That, you know, the fact that he was hurting that much, I thought he missed some, some very easy rotations, rotations he almost always makes um, that led to easy heat buckets. And it, I was a little confused about Hartenstein's lack of play. He only played 14 minutes. If, if Robinson was really hobbled in this one, I thought Hartenstein was really good. And he was plus six in his minutes. Um, the box score doesn't really, you know, tell the story where he only, he only had two points, two rebounds. But in general, I thought he was playing really good defense. He was really handsy um, and like getting deflections and things like that. So I don't know. I, I thought Tibbs made a few questionable calls in terms of the rotation. I don't think he's the reason they lost this one. Like we said, it was the lack of three point shooting. But, um, you know, we're at the kind of the nitpicking stage of this. Um, I don't know. Anything there you want to touch on? Like, Mitra yeah. being being banged up a little is a little worrisome. Yeah, certainly. I don't know. In 
uh, for those who don't know, Jericho Sims is also out for the the playoffs. So, you know, Knicks usually have the Mitchell Robinson, obviously their best center, but Hartenstein's a really great backup, and Sims was a great third option. But you know, Sims is out of the uh, with an injury, so we really need Mitchell Robinson to you know, get back on that offensive glass and like he was dominating. That's how we beat the Cavs. That's what we talked about. The one thing about the rotation that I was interested in and was that Quentin Grimes was back, was a starter at the beginning of last series, uh, only played 10 minutes in this one. So I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, he's still a little hurt or what's going on because, you know, these guys played a ton of minutes, Brunson Hart, R.J. Barrett, 40, 43, 40 minutes, respectively. So, and then, you know, you have Obi Toppin and, and <clears throat> Mitchell Robinson, um, who were the other starters with over 30 minutes. But I know the Heat at one point in the first half, I, I didn't, I don't know if they did in the second half, but they had Kevin Love as their five. So when that happens, you, you can go with a lineup with, you know, Brunson Hart, Barrett, Grimes, or Brunson Hart, Barrett, quickly a, a combination of those and then have you know Mitchell Robinson or Hartenstein or Obi Toppin as, as your one big man so we'll see I know at the end of the Cavs series to close out game five they went with a small lineup so that's something to to look for if the Cavs try that again because I mean Kevin Love only played 16 minutes in this game so Kev, Cody Zeller played eight you know a lot of the the time was played without a traditional power forward and center. So the Knicks will have to match up with them and try to try to make it work. I think that could be to our advantage. Yeah, I thought, you know, Kevin Love, I, I didn't realize he only played 16 minutes, but when he was at the five, it it very, you know, evidently brought Mitchell Robinson out to the perimeter instead of guarding the paint as he's used to. And he's yeah, he doesn't love guarding the the three point line like that. So that's a tough matchup for Mitch. Um, but when Kevin Love is the only big on the floor, that means they don't have much in the way of rim protection either. You know, I mean, Bam, I guess, you know, I, I he wasn't on the floor in those Kevin Love at center minutes, I don't think. So, um, you know, that, that leaves a lot of opportunities to score at the rim. I thought the Knicks left a lot on the table in terms of attacking those slow centers your zellers and your kevin loves this mitchell robinson's screening was was pretty bad tonight i had a few tweets about this where he was just kind of like slipping screens not making contact the few times that he did make contact great things happened but um too often he was just not making contact and and they were just kind of like letting miami off the hook right they were just letting them do this kind of soft drop coverage where kevin love never really had to guard anybody um, I have some tweets about that and, uh, it was, it was just frustrating. It, it was kind of, some of it was on Jalen Brunson where I thought he just needed to be more aggressive at like, once the screen was set or even like close to being set to really attacking and forcing the issue. And I don't think Brunson was really there, uh, doing that tonight, but, um, yeah, man, overall, like, I think I'm, I'm leaning more towards you where I'm not so worried about this. Like I would have really rather have taken game one um but i think if you can split the first two then you have to expect that julius randall will be back because there's a pretty substantial break between game two and game three game two is on tuesday 
Game three is on Saturday. That's a that's a bunch of days for recovery for Julius Randle. So depending on on his status for Game two, I would either way, I would fully expect him to be ready to go for Game three. Um, but you know, Game two is it's Tuesday. It's the day after tomorrow. Like it, it is a huge. I'd call it a must-win game, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, you certainly don't want to go down 2-0 and with your two losses being on your home court. That would just be a bet. Then you'd have to win two games in Miami just to win the series at all. So it's it's definitely a a tough spot to be in. Hopefully Julius Randle comes back. I mean, the Heat game plan was very much – drawn up knowing that Julius Randle wasn't playing. Their, their game plan on defense would not have worked if Julius Randle was in the game. So, you know, if Julius Randle comes back, that would be great for the Knicks. And, you know, that he was questionable an hour before the game. Um, then he didn't play. So hopefully he's back for game two. Um, Jimmy Butler sprained his ankle. Couldn't, didn't seem to be able to move very well, although he kept stayed in the game for five minutes. He didn't he he described himself as a decoy, so uh, maybe he misses the game, knowing that you're up one zero and you have that long break. Maybe he misses the game because he's just actually injured. But so we'll see what happens with uh, with who's playing in this game on Tuesday. That'll be a big factor, and naturally, whoever's yeah, no. playing will, will will impact how the game goes. Yeah, that that does happen. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, you made the point earlier about RJ like getting Kyle Lowry to to screen and switch off onto him instead of just going at Butler. And I really thought that that RJ should have been used as the screener, right, to like really make Jimmy Butler work. They were just kind of gifting him plays off at the end there, and you know their, their late game execution in general was very poor. So I'm sure Tibbs will have some adjustments, um, but it's tough to adjust for like missed open threes. Yeah. Was, yeah. A lot of them were, were, were very open. They were the result of good offense usually. And, you know, it just, it was not the Knicks shooting night. As we said before, one of their seven threes was a banked one from quickly that he, that was his one of four that he made. It was a banked three from the wing. So overall, even some of the the ugly misses were. I mean, uh, I was just thought yeah. of Mitch Robinson's airballed free throw and made me a little sick to my stomach. But he made the second one though. He so. did. He did. He bounced back strong. That was impressive. Um, a couple minor things: Cody Zeller playing eight minutes and fifteen seconds and being plus nine in those minutes is pretty inexcusable. I would treat those like Ricky Rubio minutes for the Cavs where you just have to win those. Like, what is that dude doing on the floor? Like he's way too slow. I think to like really be able to defend in space. Can't you just target that guy and go at him? Um, I, I would, I would hope in the future games that, that the Knicks really win the Cody Zeller minutes. Yeah, that certainly, uh, I mean, I think the heat were expecting that as well since they only played him for eight minutes. So, uh, I I don't have much to say. I think yeah. that if the Knicks, like I said before, if the Knicks made four more threes, that's twelve points. The Knicks would have been shooting below average from three if they had done that. That's how poorly they shot from three. If they made four, they would be below average. So 
this was just breakfast, breakfast and poor execution because largely because of the breakfast. You know, if they got an open three, they would just miss it. So, what's the point of even getting an open three? Yeah, and that's where the process kind of breaks down, or at least we saw it break down in the second half. But no, I'm with you. Like, it's hard not to be reductive about it, but it is just a make or miss league in some cases. And um, yeah, I, I think one adjustment is to play your shooters more. Uh, that would be Quentin Grimes, but also be quickly and quickly has been really rough in these playoffs has been hugely disappointing because he was, as we've said over and over again, the third best player on this team for much of the regular season. And he has not been reliable. Um, I, he's looked tentative. He's looked a little um, just kind of unsure of himself. And it's, it's, you know, he's obviously still young. This is sort of new for him to have this kind of role. Um he definitely has the ball in his hands less, but when he's on the court, it's it feels like that's a good thing because when the ball does get in his hands, he doesn't seem to fully know what to do with it. So, um, yeah, just something to watch out for. If, if quickly can turn things around, it would mean a great deal. It would be so meaningful for this team. Um, and then, uh, I don't know, anything else you want to touch on here? Like the officiating, I know a lot of Knicks fans were kind of bummed about it, but I don't think it was the reason they lost. Yeah, it wasn't too terrible. I mean, there were some calls that I would have made, but they also called some fouls on the heat that I wouldn't have called, so I don't really have any issues. My big thing is is Julius Randle coming back in this next game. So Julius Randle is an all-NBA player this season, so the Knicks were – I personally would say the Knicks were without their best player. You know, some people would say Brunson's their best player because he carried them through that that cap series. But you know, Randall's the guy who who was the All Star, who is going to be All NBA this year, and then you don't really, you can't really replace that. So they just need it. I mean, it's not not that's another reason I'm not dwelling on the loss. You know, you don't have one of the best players in the NBA. So I'm the Heat. I know the Heat are without Tyler Hero, but. Julius Randle's better than Tyler Hero. So, yeah, it, it really does come down to which Randle you're going to get because he hasn't been the same since he came back from that ankle injury. Um, and, you know, getting a second ankle injury doesn't seem to be like be a benefit to him. So, but if he can, if he can regain his, his regular season form, the form that earned him that all star bid and the, and the all NBA voting that, you know, he's likely to see, then, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a huge game changing difference. But, you know, people, I think, rightfully have questioned Julius Randle's impact in the playoffs. Just it, he hasn't it's been a small sample size, but we know in Atlanta two years ago, it was it was a pretty rough showing for him. And in Cleveland, he had a hard time too. some of that is the, the circumstances around the, the fouls. But I'm with you, man. Julius Randle's a huge talent. And in that closing game before Randle hurt his ankle, he was looking very spry and very aggressive and overwhelmingly physical. So. Um, yeah. That's the guy. That's the guy we need, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Those. Those like. Uh, I've been thinking. He played 13 minutes before he got injured. Those were the minutes that that I'm picturing. You know, he wasn't being. He wasn't really playing like the the Julius Randle was. You know, he was jacking up threes in and out. He was just being physical and just trying to get to the free throw line. And he shot a ton of free throws in in that first quarter. So we really. That's just what we need. We just need someone inside who can bang so that's that would be a big game changer even if he's not you know 
averaging 25 points per game and 10 rebounds. We, we just need the, to open up the offense with with the option to go inside, you know, because, you know, Mitchell Robinson isn't a post-move type of play. He's just uh, cleaning up the glass. It just, yeah, it just changes everything, the matchups. Like, you can put Bam at a bio. Like, he would then defend Julius Randle, and that would put Kevin Love on Mitchell Robinson. And it just it really just changes everyone's role. Like, then Obi Toppin's coming off the bench, and you're getting that production from your bench. Um, and Obi Toppin's such a nice change-up from Julius Randle in terms of style of play that it's nice to have both those cards to play. Um, you know, kind of Julius Randle's more methodical style of ball, and, and Obi Toppin with the, you know, the quick twitch, getting out on the break, um, fast decision-making. Like, it's nice to be able to have both at your disposal in the playoffs. The Knicks didn't in this one. And, yeah, hopefully there will be several things different about game two at MSG. Um, Greg, any more thoughts? Or are we, we good on this one? I think we're good. It just comes down to the Knicks doing a better job on Tuesday. Me and Kenny will be there. We'll be in the house. So hopefully they win. Sweet, man. Well, enjoy the game. I hope you do. I hope we all do. Um, If you're still listening to this, we appreciate you. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Give us a like. You know, follow us on on our social platforms, your Twitters and Instagrams at TalkinNicks. And, yeah, follow us on uh, our Apple iTunes, Spotify, those sort of podcast apps. Leave a review, a rating. We appreciate it. Uh, I should probably have that whole spiel down by now, but I never know what to really say at the end of these things because I don't like all the promotion, but thank you. All right, guys. Uh, Thanks so much again for listening. Until next time, hey, let's go Knicks. Knicks tape.